are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Welcome to Because You Asked. I'm Barry Newsbaum. We're at the Israeli Air Force Center in Herzliya, Israel. Thank you to the Foundation for hosting us again. Uh, today we've got part two of Martin Sherman discussing solutions to the problem facing Israel in its survival as it moves forward into the 21st century. Thanks for coming back, Dr. Sherman. Thank sure, you. appreciate it. So in part one, we talked about the two major problems facing Israel as it survives, or if it can survive, as an independent nation state. And you explained to us the demographic problem and the geographic problem. Um, I want to add to an understanding of background and then I'm dying to hear your solution. Um, as we were just discussing, if Israel uh, supports a Palestinian state on its very, very narrow borders, what will happen, I assume, in the West Bank eventually is what happened in Gaza. There was a free election, one side won, one side lost, as best as the international community has determined it was a free and fair election. The side that won was Hamas, the side that lost was Fatah. And then from there things went radically downhill. The guys that won started killing all the guys that lost. Until finally, there are no guys that lost left in Gaza, at least not openly. If they were there, they would be killed, tortured, expelled, or otherwise marginalized. And there probably will never be another election uh, as we know them in the West in Gaza. Because when one side comes into power, they consolidate that power and limit opposition. So what's to make anybody think if there was that sort of government in the West Bank, true government, that the absence of human rights, the absence of freedom of speech, the absence of equality of the sexes, of participation of anybody in government that's not of the same radical Muslim tribe would occur at all in that state. Well, I, I totally agree. You know, the, the uh, uh, demand for setting up a Palestinian state is basically a pretext for setting up yet another homophobic, misogynistic, Muslim-majority tyranny, whose hallmarks would be, as you mentioned, uh, discrimination, uh, gender discrimination against uh, women and girls, uh, persecution of homosexuals, the pursuit of political dissidents, and religious intolerance uh, of all non-Muslim faiths. Uh, this is basically in different degrees of intensity what characterizes nearly every country in the Arab world. And there's uh, been no uh, convincing argument advanced to uh, to uh, suggest that Palestinian state wouldn't be exactly the same. So, and yet I should say, it's unanimous world opinion that that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Now, as you detailed in part one, if Israel can't solve its two critical imperatives, it won't survive as a country as we now know it. So you have some solutions to the geographic and the demographic problems. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I, I believe that the only non-coercive or at least non-kinetic policy that can adequately address the demographic imperative and the geographic imperative 
is one that promotes incentivized emigration of the Arab population in Judea and Samaria by means of setting up a comprehensive system of positive incentives to emigrate and uh, negative disincentives for staying. And I, I believe that this policy should be directed not through any Palestinian organization and not to approach the Palestinians as a collective on an individual basis, offering individual non-belligerent Palestinians the opportunity of finding a better, more secure, more prosperous life in third-party third party countries elsewhere, outside of what we've called the, the circle of violence, and to allow them to extricate themselves from the clutches of the cruel, corrupt cliques that have led them astray for decades, from disaster to debacle over and over again. I believe that is the only solution uh, that can allow Israel to survive in the long run as the nation state of the Jewish people. And I believe it is the most humane policy if it succeeds and the least inhumane if it fails. Because if it succeeds, Israel will have a control over all the strategic assets that it needs, have a dominant Jewish majority. Non-belligerent Palestinians will find a better and more secure life elsewhere. If it fails, all you need to do basically is to increase the incentives and the disincentives for, for, for staying and for leaving. On the other hand, if a two-state solution is, uh, is implemented, we will have, as I said, if it succeeds, a homophobic, misogynistic, Muslim-majority tyranny. But if it fails, you're going to have a catastrophic war on the fringes of Israel's most populated area with massive uh, collateral damage for the Palestinians along a 500-kilometer front with total uh, topographic inferiority for Israel. So the, the, the solution that I'm suggesting has a far more humane outcome if it succeeds and a far less inhumane uh, outcome if it fails. So I, I, I really believe that this is something that should be eagerly embraced at least it should be put on the, the, the agenda of the public discourse as a legitimate and uh, a meritorious alternative to the two-state solution or the one-state solution as being suggested which will doom Israel to a Lebanese society and into ethnic strife for decades. Wow. First question that pops into my mind. If you offer somebody something to get up and move to wherever, and they say no. Is it your thought, Dr. Sherman, that at some point, if the price goes up enough, people will say, well, geez, I won't do it for this amount, but for 2x, I'm out of here. Well, you know, if you look at, if you, if you look at Palestinian-run surveys today, there is widespread, uh, there's a widespread desire for Palestinians to immigrate even today without there being tangible incentives for leaving and uh, tangible disincentives for staying. Uh, in the Gaza, uh, uh, there, there are at least over half the, the sample is prepared to say they want to, they want to immigrate. Uh, and both Al Jazeera and Al Monitor have run articles uh, talking about how much Gazans are prepared to pay to be smuggled out of Gaza. Now, so, just, they, so they don't want an incentive, they just want a door. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, well, what I'm saying is that you just set up this, this twin uh, system of disincentives for staying and incentives for leaving. I mean, you, you know, I, I believe that, it, that it's totally immoral 
to supply your enemy with water, electricity, postal services, energy, etc., etc. And we have to relate to the Palestinians as they relate to themselves. They say the enemy, or the enemy. I should argue with them. Now, I don't think there's anything in Jewish morality that says you have to sustain your enemy. So I'm, what I'm suggesting is a phased withdrawal of services to the Palestinians and to offer them a way to extricate themselves from any hardship that that might uh, bring upon them is offering them very generous relocation and rehabilitation loans that will make them desired immigrants to a wide range of countries. Uh, you know, I, would, I don't know if you want me to give you a theoretical example. Sure. But let's say, for instance, that all the Palestinians decided that they wanted to emigrate to Indonesia. Now, I realize this is theoretical, but it illustrates the principle. Let's suppose all the Palestinians decided that they wanted to emigrate to Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world, and Indonesia decided to accept them. Um, basically, what you would see then is an increase of 1% of the Indonesian population. Israel would maintain all the strategic assets it needs for its uh, survival. The Palestinian breadwinners would be arriving in Indonesia with up to about 70 years of GDP in Indonesia, GDP per capita in Indonesian terms, equivalent to someone arriving with two or three million dollars in the US. And the Indonesian economy would get a massive injection of billions into the private sector from these incoming, uh, these, uh, these uh, incoming Palestinian immigrants. So it sounds like win-win to me. Now, of course, it's probably unrealistic to expect all the Palestinians to go to one country. But obviously the host countries will benefit by, by uh, absorbing more and more Palestinians because they're not coming as impoverished refugees, but relatively wealthy immigrants. So, so you, you know, I, I think this, this solution, both morally, practically, and strategically, deserves far more discussion than has been given up now. And certainly does not uh, deserve to be delegitimized as some sort of frightening fanaticism. I think it's far more humane, as I said before, if it works, and far less humane if it fails. Well, i got to tell you two things. First of all, I've never heard of the concept till today. Number two, has there been any sort of research within the Palestinian West Bank to determine who, if any, would be interested in the Dr. Sherman idea? Well, let me say two things. Uh, a number of years ago, I conducted independent survey. <clears throat> With a, with a well-known Israeli polling company and a Palestinian uh, institute. And there we found that over 70% of the Palestinians mentioned some kind of material inducement that would convince them to emigrate per permanently, whether it was financial aid, better job, better education, better housing, etc., etc. Now, only 15% said there was nothing. Now. In other words, 15% said, I'm never leaving, but uh, yeah. 70 yeah. were sort of interested. Yeah, theoretically saying they would never leave because they haven't been faced with the, the, the alternative that I'm talking about. But I, I don't sense this is this etched, in, in, etched in stone, but it's certainly far more convincing than an unsubstantiated saying, saying, well, they'll never leave. Uh, that's one thing. Secondly, the ongoing surveys by the leading Palestinian the survey organization, and so, that so there's widespread desire. Palestinians who are actually prepared to say they want to leave, given the realities in Palestine, where you're not always say, uh, speaking your mind is a good thing to do. Uh, I could have, so, you could have your house blown up and your family killed. Yeah, sure. In, 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 in Gaza, over half uh, are prepared to say that, that they would like to leave. 
uh, and particularly among the young, by the way, uh, and in uh, Judea and Samaria and in the West Bank, up to a quarter. Now, it's less in, it's less, uh, uh, in Judea and Samaria because Israel has been far more benign with Judea and Samaria than it has with Gaza. But if Israel were to set up the kind of disincentives for staying and incentives for leaving, I believe that number would soar. Well, what would you do if you're an average Palestinian who worried about your family and you know they're going to be rolling cutbacks in electricity and water and postal services and energy? On the other hand, they're giving you this pile of money that, you know, more than you could ever dream of earning. Why wouldn't you take it? And again, you know, I, I don't want to uh, designate the, the host country myself, but there's a range of countries. Uh, anywhere from from India to, to to Kenya or South America, there's a large Palestinian community in, in, in South America. You know, compared to the de the clear and, and, and apparent dangers of the two-state solution or the one-state solution, which will convert Israel into a Lebanese society torn apart by by inter-ethnic strife for decades, why why not discuss it? Why not discuss this as a as a legitimate a legitimate option, which can solve the problem. Israel's strategic problem and the humanitarian problem of of non-belligerent Palestinians who are suffering terribly under this uh, dysfunctional and, and corrupt uh, government that they, that they have, both in, in Gaza and in, in Judea and Samaria. So you, so you come from a background of intelligence, yeah. um, high-ranking intelligence within Israel, and you've been a advisor uh, in the Prime Minister's office. Uh, in, in the, I was ministerial, ministerial advisor, yeah. In, in today's world, in Israel, is anybody talking about the Dr. Sherman idea? Slowly. Uh, it's, it's slowly becoming uh, more frequent in the, in, the, in the discourse, not nearly enough. I mean, one of the reasons that it's the, the marketing budget is underfunded. Uh, you, you know, recently one, one Knesset member has brought up programs similar to mine. Uh, the, the previous deputy head of Knesset also has adopted policy which is very similar to mine. But it, 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 it needs to be f f uh, put more forcefully and more robustly on the public agenda so that you can actually compare the relative merits of what I'm suggesting or others suggesting, whether it succeeds or whether it fails. Because you, know, you, can't, you can't disqualify what I'm suggesting without considering the, the, the ramifications of failure of competing uh, alternatives. And, and, and so you need a comprehensive discussion of what will happen if my uh, solution is implemented, if it succeeds, if it fails, what will be the, 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 the parallel implications of the two-state solution or the one-state solution. And I believe any objective analysis will show that what I'm suggesting is superior both, whether it succeeds and you will have a, a secure Israel with uh, non-belligerent Palestinians having the opportunity of a better, more secure, more prosperous life elsewhere. And if it fails, because if it fails, the two-state solution and the one-state solution are disasters. In the one case, you'll have massive fighting along a 500-kilometer border. In the one-state solution, you'll have ongoing inter-ethnic strife. Why would you want to adopt a policy like that rather than at least discuss as a serious alternative what I'm suggesting? Dr. Sherman, thanks. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.